as we gather on Good Friday, many will talk to you about uh, the pain that Jesus endured. And that, that's a very important subject. And uh, it was done very well this past Sunday uh, on this very Facebook live feed by Pastor Travis, that, who just spoke to you. Uh, but I want to talk to you about the theological ramifications of Good Friday. Now, some of you are now worried. You're, you're worried I'm going to take out a chart and say this is why it had to be on a Friday, or maybe even this is why it couldn't be a Friday. It had to be a Wednesday or Thursday. Well, I think there's a time for those sorts of things, but I don't think that that time is right now. Uh, I want to talk to you today about the superior sacrifice and how that benefits us, the superior sacrifice of our Savior. In 1998, the year of my wedding, uh, I was with my father and we saw the preview for a movie called Saving Private Ryan. Now, my father was a sucker for military movies, particularly military movies that exalted someone who gave their last full measure of devotion uh, in, uh, in an effort to save someone else. And I think the reason he liked it is because he thought it exemplified Christ. Uh, it, 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 it showed people exemplifying Christ more so than other kinds of movies. So unfortunately, my father and I never got around to watching this movie, but I'll never forget the scene in the trailer where Tom Hanks in his dying breath tells this private Ryan that they spent the whole movie trying to find, earn this. Now, fortunately for us in our text today, we realize there is absolutely nothing we can do to earn this sacrifice. Um, nevertheless, in this epistle, Hebrews, uh, which was written to believers from a largely Jewish background, we see them abandoning this, these new covenant commitments to Jesus in favor of trying to do just that, earn their own salvation. Now, the author of Hebrews systematically presents a case uh, for superiority of Jesus and this new covenant. In chapter 8, uh, the author summarizes the argument that Jesus as the high priest is better than that of the Old Covenant. To me, this crescendos in 9.12, where he asserts that it was not by the blood of goats and calves, but rather his own blood. Okay, And, and we know that according to 10.4, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. And this allows us to parachute in to our text, chapter 10, verses 11 through 14, where it says that the sacrifice of Christ is decidedly superior in every way. And understanding this superior provides the kind of motivation needed for Christians, especially those suffering in the crucible of persecution. Now, I think that may be coming, but that's, again, a discussion for another day. Uh, but it, it encourages us to persevere and remain steadfast in our faith. And to understand the superiority of the sacrifice that we're celebrating today, we have to uh, understand what we're comparing it to. You know, that you can't say it's superior if you don't know what you're comparing it to. So the verse, the first verse, verse 11 reads, And every priest standeth daily, ministering and off, offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. That's a lot of priests. There were 24 orders of Levites, numerous priests in each one, and to fulfill their divinely appointed office, they performed their service, which means year after year after year, well, not just year after year, daily. By necessity, they couldn't leave their post until someone else came in, and so they drew their assignment by lots, and, 
And once they were finished, they, you know, they couldn't leave until the next person took over. Not a day went by without their offering sacrifices. Again, this was the blood of bulls and goats and sheep and lambs. And, and it was to secure atonement for the covering of the sins of the people who time and again brought the animals to sacrifice for God's justice and secure forgiveness for their sins of all kinds. Imagine this for centuries. As one writer puts it, the river of animal blood flowed because of these sacrifices. The same continued after the time of Christ and even after his resurrection and ascension during the writing of this Hebrews. And this whole deal didn't cease until at least AD 70. You know, if you're studying when books of the New Testament were written, they're all usually pegged somewhere to the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. That's that's a key date. And, and through that, they were doing it. And, and Hebrews 10.1 calls this a shadow of good things to come. I'm taking a class in Old Testament theology right now, and my professor just yesterday was talking about how we deliver an Old Testament theology message. Yes, we spend most of our time in the Old Testament, but we can't treat it as if the New Testament doesn't exist. We don't ignore it. We know how some of it plays out. People who go to this church uh, know that Pastor Randy likes to do a countdown to big days on the Christian calendar. Those of you who don't know Randy, imagine someone counting down the days to their wedding. Um, now, one thing that Pastor Randy never does, and I'm sure people who get married don't do, is we don't say how many days past that event we are. We are looking forward to things. We don't need to look forward to things that have already happened. We look forward to things that haven't happened yet. For example, in the same class I was telling you about, my friend told the class he only had 65 days until he was getting married. We all rejoiced with him. But no one would have felt the same way if I said, I've been married for 8,322 days. Like, that would be a completely different perspective. Once the final sacrifice has come, there's no need for this shadow to continue. He offered a single sacrifice for sins for all time. Hebrews 7.27 says, Who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices. And as Pastor Travis mentioned in the aforementioned sermon, uh, when Jesus used the words on the cross, it is finished, that was a legal adjudication. Nothing more needed to be done. So when verses 12 and 13 say, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. That's what he means. Now, I imagine most of you are reading this thinking of Jesus sitting in his lazy boy, waiting for the enemies to come and be the Ottoman at his feet, you know. Um, and that, I mean, that's that's there's some legitimacy to that. It's very appropriate in a lot of ways. There's a very real sense in which Jesus could rest in the way that those other priests could not because his sacrifice once and for all was sufficient. Now, Piper says uh, it, he could rest in a way um, that they couldn't. It means that God is satisfied with this sacrifice. God honors Christ with a seat at his right hand to show how fully he is satisfied with the debt paid for sin. This is a great picture to encourage us that our sins are fully dealt with. When my son was born, my mother bought me a little pamphlet of a book, and it was entitled Tips for Tired Dads. And it was filled with ideas of things to do as I could sit in my lazy boy and do things where my children would be engaged and they could be active, but it allowed me, as the, quote, tired dad, to rest. Now, the book had some statement in there about how we sacrifice all day 
to work so they will not have to be without, yet we cannot abandon our relationship, uh, which provides the reason for working for them, and be, and be sure that Jesus has the relationship with us, and that was the reason he sacrificed. And his sovereign reign over all things began the af- after his ascension. And how great is that in contrast to an earthly temple? So, however, this rest that you and I imagine is very different than the initial audience would have. The footstool mentioned in Psalm 110 and repeated several times in, in Hebrews is not analogous to a piece of furniture that we buy from our favorite furniture store, decorated with the finest fabrics, with the design that we love so much. This is graphic imagery from ancient Middle Eastern warfare. Victorious kings would symbolize their conquering ways by placing their boot on the necks of their vanquished enemies. Joshua 10.24 says, And it came to pass when they brought out those kings to Joshua, Joshua called for the men of Israel and said unto the captains of the war which went with him, Come near, put your foot on the necks of these kings. And they came near and put their foot on the necks of the kings. It's a word picture of total subjugation and submission. If you're like me, me, you may hear people, whether they're political pundits talking about war or announcers for the NBA playoffs, which I like to watch, uh, use this expression that we're going to put our foot on the neck of the opponents. And this is a word picture that the author of Hebrews was expecting them to envision when they heard him say to make the enemies the footstool. Jesus was not merely the tired dad that I am after a long day of work. He was the conquering hero who won his sheep, the eternal glory of victory through the one-time superior sacrifice. So here's the point that, that further shows the superiority of Jesus' sacrifice in every way and why we should never turn from back on him. His work on the cross is a once-for-all sacrifice that has so thoroughly accomplished the work of redemption for all his own that all he has to do is sit at the Father's right hand. We often see waiting as painful. The anticipation, as I mentioned before, when we talk about things coming, sometimes our anticipation leads us to not appreciate the time between now and then. In the United States, we have enjoyed incredible liberty, and waiting on our enemies to be vanquished can be very painful. We've been granted the right to worship in our own way, and we see some vestiges of that slipping away, and we worry. We see that elected officials taking away these liberties, and we see ourselves ceding ground in a spiritual warfare. Now, make no mistake, these enemies will be vanquished. They will come, either by voluntary conversion, faith in Christ, the gospel message, or when he returns. And as Philippians 2 says, that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. And then the kingdom is consummated, evil banished, the dead will be raised, new creation ushered in, in full splendor, the physical as well as the spiritual. Now, inherent within that is a warning that not all of us are friends with Christ. A horrible and terrible judgment awaits. And later in this chapter we're talking about, chapter 10, verses 26 through 29, it, it gives a vivid picture of a punishment of those who, who are not believers. So if you're an unbeliever, initiate a conversation with us on this Facebook page, and we'd love that. But the final verse of our text today says it better than I ever could. It says, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. What a glorious word. It means to be made complete, finished, or fitting, 
Of course, eyes of turning will continue to go back to Pastor Travis telling us that the legal case is done um, against us when it was finished at the cross. But think about this. The tense of the verb is important. You didn't know we'd be talking grammar today, did you? Um, he has perfected. This is a past act with ongoing circumstances. Past in that Jesus has already accomplished everything. How ongoing is it? For all time. Jesus' perfect priesthood culminates in his sacrifice for all those who are being sanctified for all time. We are set apart for God. To belong to him and be used by him has resulted in our being made perfect in God's sight. Richard Phillips wrote, popular Christian bumper sticker theology says, I'm not perfect, just forgive it. And sinners like me and, and you, we can probably understand this thoroughly. However, in a very important sense, it's not true. In the eyes of God, we have been made perfect because we are in Christ. We are the beneficiaries of her, his perfection. His perfect, righteous life is imputed to us so that when God looks at us, he sees the perfect life of Christ. Of course, there's a process still going on. It's not yet complete. We're, our sanctification is happening, but it's so certain of an achievement that it's viewed as an accomplishment in this text. You have been made perfect. You are perfect, fit, complete. This is our identity, our destiny, our reality. We, it's a spiritual gravity of every Christian's life to which we are being pulled and shaped. And sometimes that simply, uh, we're simply shoved by the spirit of God into it. We can't escape it. If we do, that simply bears the testimony that we were not in Christ at all. Those who possess faith in Christ cannot go to living as they did before. We are different because of what has happened, not by a power from within us, but a power that is from heaven, where Christ reigns for us and in us. This is the story of our lives that is so much better than the movie Saving Private Ryan could ever be. As great as that movie may have been, the gift they gave Private Ryan to come home with his mother when his brothers couldn't, I apologize if I destroyed a 20-year movie, for you, but um, it would not go away. It, it would go away one day and would be obsolete. Private Ryan would not live forever. And he certainly could not continue forever in the salvation that Tom Hanks and that crew gave him. But we definitely will continue in our salvation. It makes no sense to go back and try to earn our salvation like many in Hebrews were doing. We will be living fruitful lives, but as far as justification and forgiveness are concerned, rest in is your proper place. Peace in Jesus Christ is your lawful portion. And realize the reason that we can call this Good Friday is that because of Christ's once-for-all sacrifice, it is finished. On Sunday, we will be able to say, O oh, death, where is thy victory? O oh, grave, where is thy sting? But the reason we can say those things in the resurrection is because Christ accomplished the overcoming of our sins on that good day many years ago. Thank you for joining.